everybody, and welcome to the Undecillion Podcast with your host, Sam. Jason. Today we are having a very special episode. We haven't spoken in quite a while. Today's episode is going to be about entertainment that we have had during the quarantine. So I guess... I guess we're all streaming a lot, and uh, I've got a few movies I'd like to kind of introduce, talk about, and see what you guys think. I don't know if you've seen any of them, but hopefully uh, some of them might be of interest to somebody. So uh, there's one film that's near and dear to my heart that I immensely love, and that is uh, Captain Fantastic. It is an incredible film that essentially is directed by Matt Ross. It's got actors uh, and actresses Vigo Mortensen, George McKay, Samantha Eisler, and a few others. And the basic premise of the story is uh, there is a, a family that lives essentially in the Pacific Northwest in the woods. And the father of the family, played by uh, Vigo Mortensen, essentially is uh, teaching the kids and everybody to uh, live off the land. And everything from like basic wilderness survival, how to find plants and things that are edible, how to hunt for food, how to make fire, all that type of stuff. And he's also giving them almost like a college level education. And these are kids varying in range from like eight all the way up to college age or going into college age. And they're all very, very super intelligent. What ends up happening uh, to create kind of an arc in the story is uh, his wife ends up getting sick. It turns out she is bipolar. And her family says that they will pay for her treatment, uh, her side of the family, her dad and her mom. But she has to go to a specific treatment facility, which is located in uh, the Arizona, Nevada area, closer to where the mom and dad live. And in the process of going there, uh, she's there for a long period of time. The kids are always constantly asking, how is she doing? All these types of things. Mom ends up committing suicide. And just to explain this a little further, the dad and his family, they've basically lived in the woods with very little to any contact with people in civilization. So the kids don't really know how to deal with that other than the older brothers who've gone to town with dad and mom more often. And so one, they're basically the first trip where the entire family is going out into civilization is when, when uh, they're going for the mom's funeral, which is in that Arizona, Nevada area. And so, uh, What you end up seeing is kind of uh, a clash of different methods of child rearing. You also see a clash between survival in the wild versus being in a civilized place. Uh, All the kids are in great health. So when they first see like people going to a pharmacy and stuff and they see these obese Americans trying to get their drugs and their pills and stuff, they're like, what's wrong with them? And then the dad, 
the sister's like, you can't make fun of them. They're they're just people. They're just trying to uh, get their food. They're trying to get their pills. They're trying to just stay healthy. And it's like you can't make fun of them. And then the little, the smallest <laughs> kid is like, they look like hippos. She's like, hey, keep it to yourself. You can't say that to them. And it I was tell just, myself that every day. Yeah, but but it's <laughs> it's one of those things. Like they've never seen people that big because uh, these people aren't eating any processed food. They're hunting for what they eat or growing it. And farming, so they're doing like subsistence farming, and uh, there are a lot of really great moments in the film. Uh, there's moments when they first meet the uh, the wife's sister, so the uh, she raises her kids in a completely normal way, and uh, the very first experience that they had, they're sitting around the dinner table, and. Uh, there is a there's a part where the dad is talking about uh, he offers the kid like hey would you like the kids like can I have a glass of wine and dad's like okay that should be fine and then the mom that's related to the sister uh, she ends up uh, basically saying you shouldn't be doing that kids that age shouldn't be drinking wine and then the dad starts arguing with her about how kids in France are drinking wine when they're little young and at the table and all this stuff and then it starts going into uh all sorts of uh interesting conversations uh there there are parts of it where you can kind of see the level of intelligence of the kids and kind of the way that the dad has taught them but you also start to see kind of the flaws in the way that he taught them because they don't know how to interact with regular everyday people that live in a normal society <laughs> How could you? I mean, you've never been in that situation. And what, my question real quick, what yeah. is the level of education of the father? The is he dad, like a PhD? Do they talk about that? Uh, uh, he's probably about a PhD level. Like the kids are reading really advanced books. You have mm -hmm. uh, some of them reading like things like 1984, things that are like higher up, like papers on string theory, M theory, things that you would give to intro graduate students in physics. But and, is he like self-taught? Uh, he is essentially, he, he's studied from books. He has experience and practical experience, but what he's basically trying to give them is, I would say, survival skills and then Essentially, uh, he hadn't taught them anything about the outside world, only the world that they lived in. It sounds awesome. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's, a, it's actually a really good film. Like, uh, What's interesting about it is there's parts where you see the dad's philosophy and the mom's philosophy, how they raise their kids, and how does that compare to people in a normal uh, household setting? And there's... <laughs> They're like the ultimate social distancers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we ain't never gonna get this virus. <clears throat> and uh, it's just it's uh, the quotes and stuff from it. Like there are a lot of memorable moments. You you come at some points thinking the dad is completely like batshit crazy, and other times you're like this guy is incredibly like he's a genius. Like just doing this to get these kids where they need to go but then you're like there's all sorts of risks to what he does too because uh they don't have standard medicine and things since they're living in the woods 
So if they get injured, one of the kids, uh, they go rock climbing, and one of the kids, I think, injures his hand, like, climbing up the rocks. And there's this moment where he has this, uh, there's a back and forth, and he tells the kid, stop. Stop everything you're doing. You need to think about what you're going to do, where you're going to go, and all this. And uh, it sounds completely like child negligent, but he teaches the kid how to get out of it. And there's weird moments where it's like that. And then you get the grandparents' perspective when they finally get to see the uh, kids. And what's bizarre about the entire thing is it's like both the dad and the father are correct. Like the grandfather and the father of the kids are correct about what they want. They want the grandkids to be okay. They want them to have a better life. However, they're going about trying to prove that their side is better the wrong ways. So they're completely antagonistic and attacking each other the entire time. And they both want what's best for the kids. So, so it's, it's kind of like a reflection of the current culture. You know, we're so divided. And by the way, anything Vigo does, I, I don't think I've ever seen him in a bad movie. So He is amazing in this, and the children actors are amazing in it as well. I saw the previews for that. I want to I wanna watch it. I just haven't seen it yet. It, it, it's worth your time. Uh, it's very memorable. There's a lot going on, and uh, there's. It's a movie that I would say you're gonna probably need to watch it a few times because there's a lot of subtlety to it, and uh, it's just a. It's a beautiful film. Nice. Sounds like a winner to me. Uh, I would say it is definitely a winner. Uh, another I one. I think it was an award winner. What's the name of it? It's called Captain Fantastic. Fantastic. Don't they live in a bus or something? They they had to travel to go to the funeral, so they had a bus which they named Steve. So everybody's getting onto the Steve bus. Looks like a school <laughs> bus. And there's a point where they get pulled pulled over by local law enforcement, and uh, <laughs> they don't have licenses. Or well, <laughs> I guess the taillight on the bus was out, but the guy's coming in there, and he's looking at it all weird because he sees like a bunch of kids on the bus with this really haggard-looking older guy <laughs> driving the bus. So he's, he's like, thinking like, this this is probably not a good thing, exactly. <laughs> and then. Uh, the kids uh, ask, is it okay if we show him, Dad? Blah, blah, blah. They start singing, like, a super religious song, uh-huh. making it seem like they're a real church-going family, almost cult-like. <laughs> and, uh, but they're not? They're, they're not. Uh, they, uh-huh. clearly, they clearly aren't. And uh, they manage to scare the guy away. He's like, I don't want to deal with this. This is just too much. <laughs> So he just got to, he's like, yeah, just get your taillight fixed. Uh, here's your license. Goodbye. Convenient. Yeah. What else are you watching? Uh, there was another uh, really good movie, uh, Lion. Uh, it deals with a kid who was born in India, Pakistan area. And he ends up uh, taking his brother to... Uh, Essentially, there's child labor in India, Pakistan area. So he's trying to help the family by working like harvesting coal. And what ends up happening is uh, the little brother ends up getting uh, somehow left at the train station. 
he falls asleep on a train while the older brother is going to. Shit, you know, I think I've seen that one. Yeah, he essentially he. That movie's tripped out. I had to. I couldn't finish watching it. It was. Like it, it's actually intense. a really, really good film. Uh, he basically, the older brother goes to work, tries to come back, doesn't find the younger brother. And it starts turning into a thing where uh, the young kid is now on a train that went between multiple countries. And the kid is now living in, since he's been, he fell asleep on the train and he's now in a different country that doesn't even speak the same language that he speaks. So he gets brought to this random facility that's kind of like an orphanage. And then he ends up getting adopted by a family that's from Australia. So he's now migrating across the sea. He's no longer near India or Pakistan area. And uh, the family that takes him in, they take really good care of him. Uh, he, they end up liking him so much they adopt another kid from the same type of thing. He kind of has a little bit of friction with the other kid. Yeah, who got he's adopted. all like, he's all like off. <laughs> yeah, but the other kid is, he's got a few screws loose. Yeah, There's something not right about that. him. Uh, Nicole Kidman in it too, right? Yeah, and she does an excellent job in it. Yeah. yeah. I remember that movie. I was like, dude, that sounds familiar. The The premise of the story is basically the first kid that got adopted grows up in Australia after being lost, and then he tries to retrace where his family was in India, Pakistan area. And uh, what ends up happening is uh, one of the girls that he was dating in college helped inspire him to go look a little further. He ends up tracking down the exact train stops, and he remembers what they look like so from his childhood. So he starts piecing together where, his, where he got lost, and then he works backwards, and he ends up finding the village where his mom is. And wow. what's crazy is it's based off of a true story and they actually do reunite, but he also introduces his foster mom to the, his real mom. It's really interesting. It's a good story though. Uh, it's got a lot of, there's high moments, low moments. Yeah. It's a very, it's all over movie. the place, but it's, it's really good. Yeah. I remember it being very emotional. And I, I had to like, kind of like stop like some yeah if if you're <laughs> choked up you will you will cry you will there are moments where you will cry there are moments where you'll laugh hey man, there's nothing wrong with that uh i've cried during movies i mean come on are we lying to each, to, to each other about it no we're too confident to, to lie about that yeah yeah i actually enjoy sometimes movies like that uh or therapeutic because you know it's for some people the only way that they can get that emotion out yeah yeah uh, especially if you've had like a similar kind of you know situation yeah I think it would like resonate a lot more because there probably is a lot of kids out there that have experienced like versions of that story but like oh, hell yeah yeah I'm sure there are and it, it's rough, like, uh, just imagining what the kid went through, all the struggles he went through on the way. It's just, it really pulls at your heartstrings. And uh, you'll tear jerk, you'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll smile. 
and you'll feel happy at some points, you'll feel sad at other points, and uh, it's really well done. And if you sit through all of it, like Nick was saying, it's definitely hard to get through if you aren't in the right headspace for it. But it's definitely, it is a really interesting and really well done story. It is really good. So it's worth it to make it to the end? Uh, yes, it is worth it. To, it is definitely there's... worth it to see it through all the way to the end. And uh, you'll have a bigger, I would say, grasp on a scenario that does happen to children internationally. You'll also have a better kind of idea of this type of circumstance what happens because like this isn't a story that you hear every day here in the united states so th this is something that i'd say it's interesting and it gives you a bit more culture on that type of scenario and how that would play out if you've never seen that sounds good damn two now, really good movies so far yeah uh <laughs> Uh, the rest of the movies, uh, we're going to now go to kind of a different genre. Uh, we're going to go into horror. Uh, there was a movie called Tumbad that Nick actually recommended to me. And it what is, is Tumbad. T-U-M-B-A-D-D. -D. Okay. It's an Indian horror film. And it actually is really captivating. It's filmed really well. The CG in it does not look fake, and like you just get sucked into the story and you just pulled along for the ride. And uh, it essentially has to do with uh, a guy who's interested in getting lots of gold somehow stumbles upon the uh, womb, or I would say the entryway to the universe, where uh, Aster, the god of riches, essentially is and uh he somehow finds a way to steal money from this god who's living in this weird cave thing and uh he has to bring something like bread like you give something to him to distract him and then you go and steal from him and then it's basically the guy finds out if he can do this enough times he can get enough riches to not be poor anymore and uh, that's the baseline for where the story starts. I'm not going to tell you any more than that because you do need to see it to see how it unfolds. And it follows basically the life cycle of a guy who does that for a period of time. And then uh, you see his family, how it grows, and then you see what happens because of decisions that get made by people. Well, <clears throat> I, had a, I had a couple movies that that I wanted to talk about too. Um, we ready for that? Or? Let's do it. I don't know. Are we? Are, are you we got ready? like five more. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's do it. No, this is great. I love talking to you guys. Um, so I get, yeah, I guess I'll start off with uh, U-Turn and the movies that I'm going to talk about. The reason why I picked them is because I feel uh, not a lot of people have seen them Although you guys might have seen the movie, I don't think uh, most of the movie-going public has actually seen these movies, and it's it's uh, they're very underrated. I think it's you know something everybody should at least hear about. <clears throat> yeah. So the first one is uh, is U-turn. 
uh, it's an Oliver Stone movie, so you can already kind of tell like what the visual style is going to be. I mean, the thing is a manic visual just keeps coming at you, you know. Uh, it's like an art film or a student film. Like a, I don't want to call it a student film, but it's definitely an art film with high octane energy and like the cuts are insane. And so getting that out of the way, uh, you know, the story starts with this guy, you see him driving and Sean Penn, by the way, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> you see he's missing a couple of fingers and he's driving like a 1964 Mustang uh, convertible in the desert and you see like the lizards walking around on the asphalt and like a dead like roadkill and it like zooms up on it you know with like flies on it and stuff you know how Oliver Stone is <laughs> and it's like in black and white and then it goes back to color and it's like <laughs> uh, and you start to see the flashback of what this guy's gone through and he goes money to the mafia and he's trying to make his way to, I believe Las Vegas. And he blows a gasket or he blows a hose in his car and he has to stop in this fucking pod up piece of shit, like backwoods town, uh, where Billy Bob Thornton is the, is the auto mechanic. He's got like a big, He's got like a pot belly and a shirt that's too small and he's like covered in oil. He's got these like goggled glasses that amplify his eyes. And like, you ain't from around here, are you? Oh, pull it on in here. You know, I'll, I'll get you fixed up. He's like, yeah, thanks, Bubba. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, goes into town. Uh, you know, I don't want to tell everything, but he meets this... Uh, Young uh, Jennifer Lopez mm-hmm. is in it. By the way, fucking beautiful. Like at her prime, she was like a hundred percent fucking beautiful. Yeah. Um, and uh, so he he's helping her out, and uh, they she's flirting with him, he's flirting with her, and they get this little thing going. And uh, <clears throat> you know uh, something happens. I think the sheriff drives by or something. And so basically every point in this movie, it's highs and lows. Like this guy, he thinks all of the answers to his problems are finally going to come together. And then something catastrophic happens one after the other, after the other. And it's so brutal to watch, but it's almost like a fever dream of an experience because I don't know what book this was based off of. I I forgot what the name of the book is, but you know, I can only imagine reading that book, like how crazy that book had been because this movie is insane. Um, So like he's got the money, it's like $300,000 or something that he owes this. uh, I actually, I think it's $30,000 that he owes this uh, mafia, Russian mafia guy. And uh, he's like trying to get a, a soda or something at a gas station and it ends up getting robbed. And like, he's like, fuck. And they rob the, the teller and then they turn around and they're like, give me all your money. And you know, he hands them the wallet and gives them his watch. And they're like, no, I want 
I want what's in the bag. And, you know, he's carrying the money on him because he didn't want to leave it in the car at the uh, auto shop. Should have left it in the shop. They fucking find out it's money. You know, he doesn't want to give it to him. And they take it. And as they're walking out, the cashier, or she's like the store owner or whatever, uh, pulls out a shotgun. You know, it's all Oliver Stone style with like zooms and stuff and the crazy, like, wide angle lenses and things and she just blasts it and blows the fucking money to hell with like shreds of cash like blood all over it and stuff and so the guy's fucked and he ends up getting with the uh getting in into some sort of relationship with the girl uh the jennifer lopez character and he's like he doesn't know she's married and he ends up like helping her out with her blinds and she's like standing on this little like ladder with her fucking tight ass in his face. And she's like, how does it look? <laughs> like, this like innuendo shit going on. And so he's like, yeah, I want to fuck you right now. And he's like starting to make out with her and fucking Nick Nolte busts in, <laughs> you know, Nick Nolte. He's like, God damn it. What are you doing? I told you not to be fucking around with these guys that come through the town. And he's just like, Nick Nolte's a giant dude. He's like six foot four. And Sean Penn's like maybe five nine. (laughs) Staring at the And he just like whoops his ass, pops him right in the nose. And he's like, I bet you wanted that pussy, didn't you? Didn't you? Oh, it's sweet, didn't it? (laughs) He's... In this movie, oh my god, Nick Nolte is a fucking riot, dude. He's great. He goes 100% the whole time, over the top. And uh, so the story goes on. He's like, I didn't know you were married. Fuck you, I'm out of here. And then he keeps falling into these blunders. And uh, Jacqueline Phoenix is in it, too. Uh, One of his early roles. He's so stupid. And Claire Danes is like his girlfriend. She's like, hey, mister, you buy me a soda pop. Hey. And he's like, don't you be fucking with my girl, man. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to bust you up good. <laughs> he's like playing it up, hamming it up 110%. Uh, which was also a memorable character. And uh, so you find out... Um, by the end of the movie, the, Nick Nolte's character has $200,000 that he's hiding away in a safe underneath his floor. He murdered Jennifer Lopez's wife, which, or mother, I'm sorry, which was his wife. And Jennifer Lopez is his daughter, and he's fucking his own daughter. Uh. And she's got, she's got, like, schemes where the... Uh, uh, the sheriff is going to set her free, but she's like, you ain't never did nothing. He came in. He, We killed him, and now we're leaving town and all this shit, so they got to kill the sheriff too. And, oh, God, it's just so fucking wild, man. In the setting, in the desert, it's like, uh, it's brutal. You know, you have this, like, feeling that it's life or death, you know, because the heat and there's not a lot of water and everybody's fucking hot and sweating. And it's just it's a very uh, interesting environment to, 
to set the film in because it goes perfectly with the story. And uh, I mean, I'm not saying it's like one of his best movies or anything, but it's definitely one that not a lot of people have seen. And uh, it's enjoyable <laughs> if you like, you know, fucked up movies. Okay. It is enjoyable and it has a pretty good ending. I'm not going to spoil the ending. Okay. Uh, I got a weird question on just uh, comparison wise. Uh, better or worse than Old Boy? Um, I think, you know, you're talking the, obviously the original Korean version. Yeah. I mean, Old Boy is uh, probably a superior film just because it's the way it was done and the fight sequences and stuff, I would say, is more uh, palatable than this movie. But totally two different films, but they are exactly like you're saying. It is fucked up. Like the story is and Old Boy is also pretty psychologically damaging. (laughs) You know, you watch that. To the end, you're like, what the hell? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, so, and I'll just do one more. So that was that was that one. And uh, recent, I watched uh, three the three burials of Macchiatas Estrada. Has anyone seen that movie? I did a long time ago. It was yeah, good. When, I liked. I think it. When it came out, when did it come out? That movie. It, like 2004 or something. Yeah, I kind of, I may have seen it in the theater. Who's in it? Tommy Lee Jones. So it's one of Tommy Lee Jones's only movies that he's directed. I think he's done like, what, four or five films, Sam? Yeah. Are you looking up? Yeah, we got Tommy Lee Jones, uh, Barry Pepper, uh, Julio Cesar Cedillo, uh, Dwight Yoakam. Uh, January Jones. Uh, it was written by Guillermo, uh, Guillermo Arriaga and directed by Tommy Lee Jones. Based off of a book yeah. that I think Guillermo wrote. And so I guess Tommy uh, read the book and he liked it and he wanted to make a movie so he got it produced. I mean, wouldn't we love to do that? <laughs> if we were, yeah. Uh, yeah, but we're not in Hollywood. We don't have all those connections, but uh, you know what? Tommy Lee Jones is an outstanding director and his pace and his delivery when he's acting in the movie too, he's doing Tommy Lee Jones way up, like, I keep saying 100%, but he's like Tommy Lee Jones 110%. And, you know, he has this like pace to him. So the movie starts out, you, you see, uh, him riding around, they're riding around on their horses, and uh, uh, Macchiatas Estrada is one of his uh, cowboys that works for him. And he's a Mexican, he's an illegal immigrant, but he works for uh, <clears throat> Tommy, and Tommy, I think Tommy, like, uh, they live on the property or something, I'm not sure, but they're very close. And, uh, you know, um, <clears throat> They, like, go out and get whores together and stuff like that. (laughs) And so uh, you start to, the movie kind of veers off into the life of this Border Patrol agent who is Barry Pepper, and he's young, and he's married to January Jones. They have, like, a failing marriage. So he's already frustrated. 
Um, you know, he's like, he pulls off in the desert on the border of Texas and Mexico and he starts whacking it to a fucking hustler or something. And like, he hears some, uh, shot go off, right. A rifle shot. So he gets up and he grabs his M16 or whatever it is, AR-15, whatever they carry border patrol. And he's like going down and he sees this guy and what the guy's doing. It's Macchiato's Estrada or whatever. What he's doing is putting down uh, a fox that was trying to kill the livestock. He's shooting at a, at a fox or, or a coyote, sorry. And so he lines him up and fucking blows his brains out. And he walks up and sees uh, that what he did was a mistake. And he freaks out and drives off and tries to cover the whole thing up. Well, um, Tommy Lee Jones gets on the case. That's <laughs> right. Like, gonna, that's my good friend. I'm going to figure this out. You know, <laughs> however he talks. And uh, <clears throat> damn, he's so good in that movie. And, you know, all the cops know him and stuff. And he starts asking questions. He found he found the casing where the car was parked. He saw the, uh, the tire tracks and stuff where the border patrol car was parked. And he, eventually, I don't need to tell you, he figures it out. He figures out who he is. So he breaks into the guy's house, kidnaps him in front of his wife, ties his wife up, gets the guy tied up on horseback with like enough rations and water to make it down to uh, where he thinks uh, Macchiatis' uh, home in Mexico is. So he <laughs> traverses the border on horseback with this guy who he's got bound. He didn't, he took his shoes off. So if he runs, he's probably going to get fucked, you know, and they just go through this journey. And again, it's, it's almost like this odyssey kind of film at that point, because a lot of things are, it almost seems like out of reality. I think it also was tied to like just the locations where they were filming. Like I remembered it almost, there were some parts where you looked at like the desert and stuff and you were like, is this the moon or where are we? Right. Like the rough terrain. Exactly. It it was like really brutal terrain, like jagged cliffs and stuff like that. And so, yeah, they, they come upon this blind man. He's like 90 something years old living in the desert nobody around he's like yeah my kids used to come out and bring me food haven't seen them in about six months but i got some food if you want and so yeah that's what i'm saying it's like almost this uh like uh, fantasy kind of thing like who the (laughs) you know who the fuck's kids would leave their grandpa out there to die i mean they would come pick him up but it adds to the story and, uh, you know, the cops are on their tail the whole time and they finally, they make it down there. And really what you find out by the end of it is all he wanted, <clears throat> all Tommy Lee Jones character wanted was for this guy to see where the man that he killed came from and what he took away from the world. Like he takes him into a village cause he gets bit by a snake. Okay. I'm not going to go over that, but Sorry, spoiler, but uh, and the the locals kind of they use their herbs and they're mending him and 
you know, they he sits down and shucks corn with the old women and stuff. So he starts, you know, stops being such an asshole, racist, you know, full of himself kind of guy, and starts to see, you know, who these people really are. And uh, you know, it's beautiful and to make him. I'm not going to spoil the whole thing, but by the end of it. His character goes through a gigantic arc where he's never going to be the same after that, obviously. But in the end, even though what Tommy Lee Jones did was wrong, it was kind of like a fitting punishment to this guy who uh, tried to you know, committed murder on, on his friend. And so I think it's a beautiful film. I've always loved it. And I, I think it's criminal that probably 0.001% of the population has even seen this movie, you know? It's not very popular. Like, people are not talking about it, but... I remember that when I first saw it, it was a movie I fell in love with with the way they filmed it, and the storytelling was incredible. The acting was spot on, and I just remember there was, uh, I think, one of the scenes that you've left out i got chills on my arm just experiencing what the character was going through i was so pulled into it that's how it's, well they did it's brutal man yeah but it's so human at the same time it's not like a horror movie where it's like frightening scares but it is just brutal and like you're if you kind of put yourself in the character's shoes like it's devastatingly horrifying <laughs> yeah. uh, so those were my movies and by the way if nothing just watch it for Tommy Lee Jones he's like he was he was my friend I liked him you murdered him and you will pay <laughs> like his delivery is so subtle and just spot the fuck on man that guy can he can act you know He's one of my favorite actors. Anyway. Nick? What movies uh-huh. do you have? So I'm going to... We're going to go back to 2003. Sweet. Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses. Ooh. Nice. That, I don't know what it is about that movie, but anytime I watch it, I get that warm, fuzzy feeling. Like... <laughs> <laughs> feel very comfortable like i don't know what it is but like it it's got that cozy you know like get with your chick and watch this movie kind of like vibe and i during that time even when i we saw it in the theater like i mean i don't know why but i remember people like it's certain people like the metalheads were cool with it because they knew what they were getting, getting into. into but um I mean, I remember seeing people like, like when it first came out, like the first showings, people were like, there were some people who were walking out right at the uh, intro of the credits, like right after the the, the scene with uh, Sid Haig, like after he shoots the dude. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, people were like walking out. But I mean, that's a badass. It's one of the coolest. To me, it's, I don't know, it's got, uh, like he's touched on like every type of horror genre like tradition 
because uh, it takes you all the way back to the old horror movies and it also brings you to the you know to the new ones like with the texas chainsaw massacre and like there's like like nods to all the badass horror movies but he's he kind of figured out a way to like put it, put it all in one movie you know like like that movie literally has every type of horror character you could possibly dig you know it's got the creatures that's what i really liked about the first one it had creatures like um you know dr satan and like it had that and then it still had the um serial serial killer like vibe as well with the the rest of the characters like with otis and you know and then of course like you got like the most beautiful um you know sherry moon zombie is like I think the first one's probably her best. Like, I mean, all the all of them, all three of them do have like a good, uh, like they they all relate too. Like, all, like if you watch them, uh, even if you watch them like one before the other or one after the other, like the characters relate to like there's that relative kind of um, vibe throughout all three of them. But like, I like her in the first one because. She, well, first she's like younger. She was younger, and she was really hot in that movie. And I, like I, I the, the scenes, she you know like I don't know what it is, but like that scene where she's singing, um, "I want to be loved by you," like it's so fucking hypnotizing, you know? Like it's really hypnotizing, and that's it's weird because that's the scene that changes the entire movie, in in the movie. Like that's where shit you know turns up to eleven after that scene. And I like, I really, yeah. That's it's such a badass movie. Like you know, like I recommend everybody to watch it. Like it's cool. So I forget what exactly the plot was in that. You gotta watch it. I don't want to walk through the whole movie because like it's, it's a very. I I would strongly suggest you rewatch it if you haven't watched it again. Like just watch it. Like it's bummer, bro. The the base the basic IMDb without giving too many plot points. Two young couples traveling across the backwoods of Texas searching for urban legends of murder end up as prisoners of a bizarre and sadistic backwater family of serial killers. There you go, Jason. Yeah. Okay. Well, that didn't really tell me. Just the um, level of detail. uh, Extremely, really cool detail. Really cool. like just props all the props in the movie are so cool the house is awesome the characters are all the set was like flawless everybody plays like every i mean you can imdb the whole thing and google it and figure out everybody but like every character in that movie is like played like super well like there's not one character that sucks what were the creatures badass what what were the creatures because i i don't know i forgot that uh, yeah, I mean, it's, the creature part, it's not, like, full-on creature-creature, but there is, uh, at the end, uh, you do come out, you do meet them all. Um, I also do like the fact that they have, like, the uh, the murder ride in the movie, like, which, in the beginning of the movie, even the whole beginning of the movie is so cool. Like, it's got this adventure kind of feel. Like, it, you don't feel, you know, like you're... Uh, well, it's got that escapism kind of a lot of it's a, you know, it takes you away from all the shit. And but I would strongly recommend 
that you watch it. Like, I don't want to even like, you know, like give like this is what happens and this happens. And, but it's just so cool. It's like a, you know, like a cool song, like an album. Like you gotta just listen to it. And then, did he do the uh, music? I mean, I do like the concept. the The overall like, uh, there is an overall feel through throughout all the the trilogy, um, where it's there. No matter what, they're always against the system, and I really like that. Like, yeah, uh, they're like the the. It's like the freaks are in control in the movie and if you're somebody who's always who's never if you weren't like you know i I mean if you were a jock in high school or like a cheerleader and you weren't like the popular kid in school or if you weren't you know constantly getting laid in high school or whatever uh, you can definitely like kind of relate to the you know the underdogs like villains the underdog villains who also have like this it's weird because you kind of have this once you start watching it uh and as you go through the trilogies you start at the end of it you actually like all the care like the the family you like you like them for some reason even, even though, though they're, they're psych- serial killers yeah. and they're terrible yeah. people it's like this human <laughs> like this human i don't know it's weird they have they still the I family rejects the what I caught that vibe that you're talking about um, in Devil's Rejects. I think I enjoyed that one a little bit more, even though yeah, it was yeah, more in that one. Uh, and then uh, uh, three a little from bit hell. more high octane, I think. Yeah, they're there, and what I like is that he he did keep making different. Like each one of them is different, but that's at the same yeah. time they're still relative <laughs> to all. They all lead back to the first one. Like they're in the same all, universe. All the, like, yeah. What they say, all the phrases, like it's full of phrases. Like all three of the movies have so many catchphrases. <laughs> what is Sig Hey? What what's his uh his catchphrase? <laughs> oh, he's got a lot. He's like, like <laughs> he says it in the first one. I can't remember. It was, it's so fucking hilarious when he says it. He's like, yeah. Uh, what the fuck did he say? Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I think those. <clears throat> Just the vibe, uh, it's, I, I don't know, it, I just like it, like, I I feel good when I watch them, I don't know, I, I like, I feel relaxed after I'm done watching them, too, it's weird. Like that scene where I think they're getting robbed. Uh, the, the whole trilogy is cool, and then uh, three from, and, and the only thing I wish that would come back was the creature element more of a creature element uh in the new ones but it i guess it kind of just i mean they didn't do that but the like supernatural like supernatural uh entity kind of stuck into it as well uh like at the end you kind of see all that but um yeah the other ones are more human like or they're more based uh, in this real uh situation happening uh, with the law and everything but it's just cool because they're always against the man and like they're like true rebels like you know like they're yeah like even in the three from hell like there's a lot of cool um, cool stuff I don't know if y'all seen that one yet not yet not yet uh, I was gonna say that scene where they get robbed I think it's in the first one like he's yeah. he's got his little store or whatever yeah. 
Yeah. You motherfuckers gonna walk in here and think you're gonna tell me what to do. Go the fuck it out. I forgot. I think that's where the that little one liner that he says that's so funny. Yeah, yeah, there is uh that that whole scene is cool as well. And it's weird because the kids come in right after that happens and like the scene opens up with, you know, he's um the dude's uh he's like mopping the floor, he's mopping the blood off the floor, and the kids walk in and they're like, Hey <laughs> <laughs> They have no clue what just happened. And like Oh, come over here, kid. Uh, I mean that's like the first time I saw Dwight Schrude or Rain Wilson or what's his name? Rain Wilson. Oh shit, yeah, he was in that. That's like his he? first um I mean, that was the first time I saw him in a movie. His first big movie, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I liked the sheriff in uh, Devil's Rejects, William Forsythe. Dude, that dude's bad, dude. He's so fucking awesome. <laughs> he's he's like a total hard ass in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, I ended you know, up I ended up uh, rooting for the sheriff at the yeah, end of the movie. Uh, you know, I actually appreciated the sheriff more than the the rejects, you know. Or the oh, family. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, you definitely side with, uh, because if you know, like, his brother was shot by, uh, exactly the mother, like, in the first one. Right. You know, so he was, like, screaming for vengeance in that, in that yeah. movie. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. That's, it's just cool. That. Like, all these strong characters with their, like, just powerful, like, performance. Like, dude, the, the actors, like, really, like, you know, it's put powerful. It all in there. Like amped up, like you know. I think uh, yeah, watch it's it. Rob that lets them do that. You know, he's like, this is what. Uh, I guess the canvas is ripe for that kind of performance, which is, I don't know, I. <laughs> yeah, extreme. I think, yeah, <laughs> you can see actors in other movies, and you're like, ah, but when they're allowed to be let off the chain. And, and yeah. go wild like that. It's cool to see. Very yeah, cool. yeah. Every it's weird because every character, uh, even they develop throughout the movies as they, you see different sides of them throughout all three movies. Like, and uh, like there's different, like things you didn't notice about them, like in the first one, or you'll notice things that they keep saying throughout all three of them that they say in the first one. And it's like it's all relative. Like there's a really cool. I like the relation between all three of them. Like I think they did a good job on that. And 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 then the sets are like so cool. Like just the like all the production. It just makes I remember it that. Yeah. Warm inside like that. <laughs> I don't know. I say that's that. Like, maybe I just you. Feel nice. <laughs> like oh, that's cool. You're like I, it's just a movie you want to take your girlfriend to. I'm like, who the fuck girls are you dating? <laughs> Most girls are like. Well, statistically speaking, you go to a scary movie, so they grab your arm and stuff, man, and they get closer to you. I I get where Nick's coming from. Yeah, right? That's a good point. Yeah, no, they're cool movies. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not, I I didn't plan on, like, bringing in all all three of them, but, uh, yeah. And it's weird, because in the third one, Spoiler. Uh, well, one of the... I mean, you'll notice the char- like characters from the second one uh, uh, as well. Revisits. Not characters, but character. Yeah. Like, 
and they've kind of like it's like they're still there they're still around but it's like a lot more um the third one's really good like it's different it's like they it's like there's this progression and they're getting better uh like each one has its own like badassness to it yeah. but the, like at the same time they're like together as well like it's weird they're unique but but my favorite blinded. is probably the first one house of a thousand corpses because it's got just like a everything that i want like in one movie like it's cool i think that one was more horror and less comedy right it's got it it does have comedy um you know dark uh, humor it's dark got, dark humor and that's what all these horror movies though do after a certain while, it just <laughs> seems like it becomes a little more comedic. Yeah. By the by, the third or fourth film, um, I don't know. I don't know Hellraiser. I don't know if they got comedic. But it, it never got know. comedic for me. But uh, I could definitely see what you're saying. Like there's certain movies where the blood effect that's in Grindhouse gets to a point where it's almost like. I wonder how much ketchup they used in that scene. Or you start asking these questions like, geez, I wonder how much the like makeup gore. budget was. <laughs> like the gore um, element. Yeah. I mean, I like, I mean, in Hellraiser, they're, it's just so cool. Like, watching those, like, because they're, they're using, like, you know, uh, stop motion. They're using, like, yeah, little cool. techniques, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like seeing it, like, it's like, dang, they did that without computers. Like it know, looks so realistic too. Yeah, you know, and they you can say you can see they made it. You know, like it's all made like somebody made it. Took their time. Even if it doesn't seem more realistic, I think having a real physical thing doing the motions and and being there is so much better than CGI, anyways. Definitely. Because at least you you have to appreciate the art that went into it, the production. You know. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's there is there's CGI as well. Like certain certain movies do have CGI to where you don't even notice it's CGI. You know. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm not saying you're wrong. It's just to me, I'd rather have yeah, a stop like, motion than CGI. That's, yeah, that's what I like too. I like the physical, like, and you like it's like you see it and you're like, dude, they made that, like, physically made it, <laughs> like, yeah, right. Know, like any any time, I I think it's superior to CGI. Yeah, like, like the old um a purist you know the old methods it's like where they like puncture the eyeballs and it's like an actual like you you know what that they're using it's like for, a cow eyeball that they put yeah, in yeah and it's like, like going it's not it's not close puncture. enough like oh like, god <laughs> like that have you ever seen that movie where they have uh, a close-up on the eye and he takes a razor and slits it yeah. open oh yeah what was that oh, the, the rope right wasn't that done with like Rose? I can't remember the name of it, but I remember that scene. Like I was squirming in my chair. I was like, ah. Because there's one yeah. where the dude, like, where they actually like take a the thorns of a rose and they take him on the. What movie is that? Well, no, this one he literally a takes a razor blade and slices on a lateral cut. Yeah, I mean, into just, this eyeball, and you're like, there's another the scene. Fuck? Somebody, some other movie did that, like where it's the it's the thorns of a rose, um, like the branch, going over the eyes. And it, oh God! Uh, I mean, yeah, gotta love you're the fe- you're, you're yeah, feeling it horror. like that. You gotta, you gotta love it. 
you know, it's there for a reason. Yeah. Do you have another movie you want to talk about? Oh, or um, I mean, encapsulate we, the whole trilogy I, there. I was actually going to um, ask uh, three yeah. questions if it'd be okay with you. Well, yeah, go for it. Sounds like Nick has go, a, go has Nick, go. Movie. go. No, ahead. no, go ahead, Sam. Then I'll continue. I guess. Well, no, no. Go ahead with what you're going to say. It's okay. We'll no, I mean, the... uh, I mean, I can talk about way more movies, but those, I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's what you had ready. Uh, the the three questions. So I, when I kind of look at movies, uh, I always ask the question like, uh, did do you think the director or the artist who created it did they accomplish what they set out to do? So um, let's let's do this with like all three all of the movies we spoke about. Okay, so who are you starting with? You or uh, let's uh, let's go backwards, I guess. <laughs> okay, so from yeah, I mean obviously like all the. I think they're extremely badass. Um, I have, I don't think anybody out there can talk shit about the house of a thousand corpses. I mean, yeah, if you didn't like it, then you didn't like it. But if you're a fan of good horror movies, it's a good horror movie. Uh, it's fucking awesome. Like go buy it, rent it on Amazon or watch it on Amazon. Oh, I don't know. Crap. I just mentioned it. I think you, I think you, um, answered so, that in your synopsis like he is a fan of horror movies and he brought all these different elements from you know the 20s 30s 40s 50s and these yeah. horror movies i mean uh, he probably didn't do the creature features of uh you know like giant ants and stuff from the 50s no but, but he uh, does all the way yeah, up to like chainsaw massacre and stuff there's a big homage to the you know like the whole um they do that the creature feature show with Dr. Wolfenstein, <laughs> you know, yeah. like that's like an homage to that, that old, that he, the, he the old it in there. Yeah, it. dude. And that's like, cool. just like the, it's fucking cool. Like, it's and so it, I can't even like, I can't like talk shit. Like there's no, it, it's just cool. Like, you know, it's like one of those movies where you put it on, you watch it and it's fucking cool. And you're like taken away, like in this world. And until the end, until, you know, and it's weird. She, the, like, I, what I like about it is like, they win in the end, <laughs> like always. Right. It, Cause that's not that well, the bad I mean, in a lot of movies they don't, but yeah. Cool. Like, and it's not like a tragic thing that the bad guy wins. You're like kind of rooting for him. Yeah. It's like, you, it's you're like, kind of sick. Yeah. they're like it's like they're <laughs> fucked up but you know to a certain degree they're charismatic <laughs> they're charismatically <laughs> fucked up um uh definitely with uh three burials i think tommy lee uh solidly brought that vision to the screen better than i think he really appreciated it and he had a passion for it and so that shows on the screen uh, with the U-turn, like I said, I didn't read the book, but uh, I know that Oliver Stone has this tendency. I think he smokes a lot of weed. From I knew a guy when I was acting that his friend's brother was in W, the one about George W. Bush that Oliver Stone create, uh, directed. And <clears throat> this guy told... W. You know, through the grapevine, I heard 
you know, Stone would sit in his trailer and he'd come out and there's like a waft of like all this marijuana smoke coming out of his trailer. <laughs> so I think I think he's gets uh, he does get a little cloudy and and his uh, movies are kind of frantic and you get that. but it might not lend to the actual story in the book, but That's I think he, he definitely does what his vision of the story is. He delivers that. I think he's pretty confident on that because I've seen him do very solid films, you know? Yeah. And so if that's what he wanted that movie to be, it was exactly what probably he was exactly what he wanted. That's pretty intense of the dudes like high on set, like, you know, with all that production <laughs> shit going on. Fucking like, blaze. It's just, like blaze. <laughs> it's like another day for him. He's like, eh, it's just a fucking Tuesday. You know, <laughs> I don't go to work high. How does this fucking guy? He's like dealing with, you know, millions of dollars. <laughs> Time but, slows. Yeah. It works somehow. <laughs> I guess it's better than going to work drunk like Sam yeah. Peckinball. So. Oh man. Uh, Tomb Bod, I think the director definitely they set out to create a mythological story uh, and they did it and it was believable. And I think was it worth doing? It was totally worth doing. And uh same thing with Lion uh, on that particular movie. He defi- uh, They definitely set out to tell a story about how an, a, a kid who got adopted was able to go back and track his family. And they did an excellent method of telling the entire story. And uh, it was incredible. And then for Captain Fantastic, uh, they set out to put you in the shoes of trying to identify with people that don't live like you or I do. And you get to understand the perspective of where they're coming from. And it's like why they're doing what they're doing. And then you get to hit with the reality of what society says. And, uh, it was just, it's a movie that you go into and you definitely, uh, question a lot of things. And, it's like I would say it's a good movie that you take people that you want to have a long conversation about stuff you saw in that movie, and just yeah, talk about it because it's it's really well done. As far as yeah. like uh, was it worth doing for Tumbad? I'd say yes, it was worth doing because there's nothing else like it that I have seen. Uh, for Lion, was it worth doing? The story was compelling, heartwarming sad and it was also there were happy moments with the reunions and stuff and i'd say yes it's totally worth doing because it gives people who don't normally see that type of lifestyle a perspective they wouldn't have so you're enriching people's lives uh with captain fantastic i'd say it was worthwhile because it is making people think about what they watch it is you have to go into that movie with an open mind just observe watch and question everything and it sounds like lion and um captain, captain fantastic are very like deeply human stories they, and they are. people people would be able to at least uh relate to that kind of story it's not a fantastical story you know it's actually 
very uh, realistic and, and very human. I mean, maybe Lion's a little uh, fantastical, but uh, I, I would based say, off a true story. Yeah. You know? I'd say that, but both of them though they're they're both really well done, and uh, they definitely will tug at you. And everyone's going to have some sort of opinion after seeing both of them, uh, one way or the other, or just about the topics in the films. There's some crazy stuff going on in them. Mm -hmm. I had a question. Yeah. I think it's really difficult for anybody because film is objective it's uh through an individual perspective that you like or dislike or love or hate a film um so i think it's easier to break it down like instead of asking what's your favorite film of all time which i think is a ridiculous question <laughs> it is it's an insane thing to ask uh, how could you even answer that um unless you were really really never mind I think a better um, <clears throat> better question to ask is uh, who are y'all's favorite director? Uh, who who who's your favorite director? Mine currently, I'll start. I, I would say uh, it uh, used to be Stanley Kubrick, but I would say Ridley Scott. I knew you were going to say that, too. I yeah. was like, he's going to Ridley. <laughs> like... Yeah, Ridley is like an understudy of Stanley, but uh, I think he almost surpassed him in the volume of movies that he's made and the quality. You know, uh, Stanley's movies are more like paintings. They're, they're very, very uh, detailed and super like you know every shot was planned from the beginning before they even started and Ridley's the same way but uh he pumps out movies you know i think he's at like 27 or 30 like 30 movies now that's a lot of movies for a director that doesn't do tv um and he has uh you know some of his movies are not so good but I'd say 85 to 90% of his movies are high quality. Good stories, well shot, great actors, good writing. Some of the, some of my most favorite films to watch are Ridley Scott films. And I don't know. I don't see anybody else. Like, not even Steven Spielberg can come close to that because, you know, it's too commercial in my opinion. But... <clears throat> It's, I'm not talking shit about Steven Spielberg. Okay? Sorry. <laughs> it's hard for me to answer that question because uh, there's content I like from everybody in some mm -hmm. capacity. Uh, I'd say I like a lot of person. I like a lot of John Carpenter stuff. Oh, that's a good one. That is a good one. Oh yeah. I'm surprised you didn't go with Jordorowski or Scorsese. No, they have they have their play. Well, Scorsese is a very close, you know, he's up there. But I think uh, Ridley, I just like his visual style better than Scorsese, which I love Scorsese's visual style. But uh, yeah, it's it was Oliver Stone at one point. Yeah, Stanley Kubrick when I was a kid, then Oliver Stone, and then I'm like. 
No, actually, Ridley kind of beats both of those guys. I, I liked what Robert Rodriguez did with uh, Battle Angel Alita. I yeah, thought that that was, that was visually incredible. With James Cameron's help. <laughs> he did a good job. No, that was a great movie, actually. Like, uh, it was uh, entertaining, and and it was a good story. So can't say that at all about every Robert Rodriguez film. but. And what about you, Nick? Who's your favorite? There's quite a few, yeah. I mean, Rob Zombie, um, James Cameron... Uh, even uh, uh, you know, Clive Barker. With Clive whatever Barker, he has, yeah. Um, done. Yeah, but if you had to pick one, and uh, if you had a what? If you had, if to, you pick had to pick only one. one. Oh, one direction at the moment, not like for all oh. time. But who's your favorite? Right director? now, I'm really yeah. I would say Rob Zombie's work. I'm really digging. Cool. Uh, I'm. I mean, I like all the. I mean, I love. You know, Alien and Aliens. I was actually watching those two, and they're both. You know, it's yeah. weird because Ridley's on the first, and then James Cameron's on the second. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So it's like I just saw the. You know, I. I they're both really good. Uh, there's even. Um, I mean, I like. If it if the movie's good, then it's good. You can't. I mean, it doesn't matter who really made it. Exactly. But yeah, those guys do have uh, some heavy. You know, like their movies, it's like they have a continuous kind of thing of these movies are badass. Even like Prometheus was awesome. I loved Prometheus. You know, uh, Covenant. I like Covenant too. Uh, Covenant not so good. much, but it's still good. I did I mean, like. I even like Todd McFarlane because uh, I just watched the Spawn cartoon. That, that uh, one was well done. You know, the one on HBO. You know, there's so many like but right now i guess today it's, <laughs> it's yeah it is definitely you might change your mind so it's not like we're living and dying by these decisions no and i love you know i, I think a lot of people give avatar like a i don't know they can't um I'm ask their, I, I really like that movie um and then um even like anything the wachowski um siblings do their shit's so cool you know like they're badass uh i mean they're genius they're great yeah dude i mean you know like and, and really talk shit. jupiter ascending you know i love everybody's it. talking i didn't really about. like it i mean and it wasn't because of the negative uh you know feeling about the movie i actually tried to give it a try i enjoyed uh what's that one with tom hanks Cloud and Cloud Atlas, I thought was way better. I like Cloud Atlas too. I but, like Jupiter Ascending and I mean, I like all their those movies. Like, any it seems movies. like they're very kind of in the same universe. Those almost, two movies, yeah. Right, even though one's about like multiple realities and stuff, and or like time travel. Um, yeah, they're they're like in a, a similar vein. Well, cloud, yeah, cloud, cloud Atlas is about different life uh, cycles happening right. in the same soul, um, embodying a different body. Which is an life. amazing premise. Yeah, uh, a heavy uh, on the reincarnation scale movie. Um, but the cool thing is it's based on like a, a song, you know, like not a song, but a composition. You know, the Cloud Atlas itself, like 
as a composition. And um, yeah, and, but I really do feel Jupiter Ascending was, was uh, it's a really good movie. And I think it's been overlooked. Uh, it has. I, I think it maybe it's on Netflix. Some people are going to be like, wow, it's actually pretty good. But It's on Netflix. You can watch it right now and give your own opinion. <laughs> That's right. Buy the, the 4K cut. Oh, dude. You sold me on the 4K. <clears throat> dude, Let so, me tell you, it, it is worth it. Yes. Totally different. Like watching that and watching a Netflix movie or an Amazon movie. You gotta have the 4K TV, the 4K cables. HDMI cable, and the 4K Blu-ray player. And once all those, you know, ingredients come together, it makes uh, it's badass. You know, it's like uh, the second best thing uh, to seeing it in the theaters. And you know, I'm not into all these like wearing goggles on your face to, you know, VR like the theater experience. That's cool. People want to do that. That's fine. I'd like to see the screen pretty far away from my face. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want fucking ocular damage. So. Well, you know, I, I my eyes are already screwed up. Glasses gotten um, like uh, they're a lot. What do you call it? Like they look like Sam's glasses now, like the ones he's wearing. Like they're a lot smaller and thinner, um, lighter. I think Google they're came out better with at it. A pair it's like that. like. Because, like, uh, when I saw Battle Angel, uh, Alita, um, I wore the, I went into the 3D movie, and with the glasses, it was pretty cool. Because they, I was thinking they're going to be, like, those fat glasses, you know, like the heavy ones. But they oh, you like, mean, like, the 3D glasses? Yeah, they've gotten really good with those. Like, yeah. I'm not a fan of it, but I like the movies the, I like that I've the, seen. The depth. It's the like almost being a, like watching amazing. a play, you know, on stage. Like that's what I like about it. Like it's cool. There, I feel like there's certain movies that get it right. Avatar, they yeah. got it right. Uh, Battle Angel, they got it right. Right. Yeah. Jurassic well, Park, they James did. Cameron. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. My uncle worked for. I forget what the. Uh, Avis or Abbott. Some sort of technology company that dealt with um, uh, that kind of uh, information, uh, you know, that that kind of uh, technology, and uh, he actually went to James Cameron's house, and he had a giant freaking like gym stadium size room with just computers all the way down. You know, mm. like like some fucking like something out of like uh, what is that the uh, the NSA or something? You know, like just like tons of hardware, and uh, that was when he was making um, Avatar. And, right yeah, Avatar. So, yeah, that bad. guy puts a lot of fucking effort in whatever he does. So you gotta respect him for that. If you didn't like the movie, still, I mean, he innovates. I think the the technology he made for that movie, they're still using it today because it was something completely new. Just like the T-1000 in Terminator 2 with the liquid metal That's CGI exactly. effect. No one had ever seen anything like that. It was, it, and he did it seamlessly. 
Um, it, it looks is, better than CGI today. Really. It's uh, like more believable. I was going to say in Future Man, the TV show, you do get a tour of uh, Cameron's house. In uh, one of the episodes, they're stuck in his house. It's pretty funny. Uh, cool. It's such a bizarre show, though. It's not for not for family. <laughs> Definitely not for family. Right on. Adult content. Yes. Anybody have any other questions? <laughs> Where were you, uh, what were you going to say before I interrupted you, my friend? Nick. When, um, oh, uh, what was it earlier when you were like, say, which, what was the question you were like, which, um, or did the director do? I, I was asking is... if the vision of the director, do you think it got executed correctly? Did they oh. accomplish what the director wanted? Was it worth doing? Yeah, obviously it was, I mean, I think it's, it's a badass movie. <laughs> Like, I don't know what anybody else would think, but I think it's really good. I don't think anybody should, you know, like, I mean, it, movies like that aren't made all the time. And yeah. just for it coming out at that time and where I was at in my life, like in 2003, like it, it was a good, it was a cool time when that movie came out. And so I think that also has to do with how you enjoy a movie is like when you first viewed it what you know what you were doing and what was around what was going on yeah uh, it definitely will add to the atmosphere of it and kind yeah. of your perception of it i know like it i was telling jason i think uh we were talking about that show on netflix the witcher and he watched it oh, at man. one point was not into it and i said you gotta watch that with the right frame of mind and you're gonna love it and then he went totally. back rewatched it and he's like this is amazing <laughs> well no i think i was telling you like I was watching it while I was doing other things and I wasn't really into it. And, uh, you know, when I settled down and I had nothing else to do and I was in the mode of, Hey, you know, I want to watch something compelling, put it on totally different feeling about it. You know, and this, I keep running into this, man. Same here. I can't, so crazy. I can't watch The Expanse when I'm doing all sorts of other stuff. I've only got to like sit there and focus on The Expanse. I can't do other stuff while watching it. And yeah, that show's ripped out. I still like. I'm trying to get into it. Like, and I'm always like, "What the? What's going on?" <laughs> like every time I get, it, like, it's like there's the so whole, much on it. It's like yeah, a big, there's a lot. And Westworld's the same way, too. Like, uh, you have to literally be solely focusing on it. And if you are doing anything else and you miss a line, if you don't remember what happened in episode one and you're now in season three or whatever season they're in, you're like, I'm lost, man. I don't know what's going on. And then you're still trying to piece it together. And you're like, I got to watch this episode like five times. Yep. Did you, uh, have you guys ever seen the original Westworld? Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I remember catching that on TCM, yeah. Turner Classic yeah. Movies one night. And I was like, I think I was a little high or something. And, you know, it was late. Uh, probably was hanging out with friends and they left. And I'm like, what in the hell is this? This is the best fucking shit I've ever seen, you know? <laughs> With the little pixelated view from the 
the Android's vision. And Michael Crichton wrote the book and actually directed that movie. Did you know that? I didn't know that, but that is awesome. You got Yule Brenner as the uh, the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> Can't get it better. I mean, he was like the original Terminator, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Arnold, you know, Cameron was like, yeah, watch, watch Westworld. Look at Yule Brenner. Kind of good. Because he was doing those machine movements pretty, <laughs> pretty good. Um, that that movie blew my mind, and so yeah, I already like it. So I haven't watched the show. I've heard it's really good though. It is. It's tripped out. I saw the first season. Yeah. Um, on HBO. I don't have HBO, so. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's done pretty well. All it's... the a- actors are good. Um, production's really good. Just the, I mean, it's Westworld, so. And it's and it's HBO. A lot of cool, that too. A lot of coolness. Cool sci-fi show. I, I can't say that HBO has been super happy for me. In some cases, like the Game of Thrones finale wasn't gelling with me. But that's the season me. eight, <laughs> the entire season eight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I haven't even watched one episode of that show. It. I've heard it's amazing. It's well written when you read it and like because uh, every section or every chapter that uh, George R.R. R. Martin does he literally does it from a perspective of one character and then he just every chapter like flips to different characters so you may think one thing because you're seeing the actions being done to this one person then the next chapter you're seeing it through someone else's eyes and their perspective of something that's happening and then when you see it from someone else's eyes and you're also getting the narrative of what they're thinking, you're like, oh, that's why they did it. They weren't completely a terrible person. They just had really screwed up circumstances that led them to make poor decisions. Well, and the whole thing with the, uh, you know, they're like kingdoms and stuff that are fighting and there's like yeah. palace intrigue and dragons. And, yeah. I think I saw, know, I of course, the first I, I would episode love at, at, your, at your place, Sam, I think that's where. <laughs> yeah. It was the one where, like the, 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 the scene with the, um, uh, what is it? The kid like spies on the brother and sister doing it. Yeah, and then the the <laughs> brother like, throws him out the window. Yeah. Like brother and sister it? doing it. Yeah, that's <laughs> the screwed up thing. Fuck. Yeah, Tell you about like, incest. Like, I guess. I mean, we already talked about incest, so I guess everything's yeah. on the table no. <laughs> at this point. I just remember that because I, I like that was the only one I saw, and like I was like, I, I could have like, wow, like I literally could have done without that entire section of like <laughs> any of that. It's like I don't need to see that Sam's or know like, about I'm it. I'm too wholesome. I think everybody <laughs> on Earth is too wholesome for that. I heard the Battle of the Bastards is a good one. Yes. And the uh, the Red Wedding is always a favorite of mine, but that's because I just hate Joffrey like no, nothing else, man. My friends were watching the Battle of the Bastards, and uh, it was kind of a party, so there was other things to do. And I I was going to watch it, but I'm like, I don't want to ruin it. I, I need to watch the whole thing, you know, um, instead of just watching one episode. Eight seasons. So, yeah, there's a lot of episodes, you, you, right? What I would suggest is probably watch up to like the 
the second to last season, don't even watch the last season. Yeah, just leave it. Leave it out, and instead of watching the last (laughs) season, find the book wherever it's there, and then... I heard the books are really good, too. The books are amazing. They're very well written. Uh, Mm. When I was asking, uh, I met George R.R. Martin up in, like, Wisconsin, and I asked him, like, what advice do you have for people struggling with writing, or what would you suggest to an aspiring author or writer? And he's like... When you run out of ideas, you just add something extreme in there. He's like, somebody kicked in the door, a gun came out, and then all the tension rises. He's like, you have these elements of things that can rise the tension. That's a good, that's actually some good advice. And uh, he... Interesting. He also was, uh, the interesting thing when we uh, spoke with him. He said that the hardest character in that entire series for him to write was Tyrion. He's like, I am by no means witty or anything like that guy in any capacity. He's like, it would take me two to three months to write lines for Tyrion because you can't just get it right out the gate. It has to be yeah, perfect. Yeah, you imagine he's like mulling over this. For three months, trying to figure out like the most witty thing this character can say. Oh man, that's crazy. That's but, a really cool perspective. But that—that's how he—he he writes. Like he does each chapter from a different perspective. So you're like, it's completely changing the way you think about characters and writing and their backstories because you have to pretend you're them and make everything seem like the way they would see it. You really do. It, it has to be very personal. Um, for it to be, in my opinion, to be a, a good piece of writing, you know. I was gonna, there has to be a piece of you in there. Exactly. Somewhere. And he got his uh, starts with TV and stuff with The Twilight Zone and some of that stuff. Oh, wow. So I was going to say, like, he has a history doing, like, TV, so he's done it for a while, and he's very capable of doing writing dialogue very well. That's cool. Was that like a comic convention or like? A book yeah, it was convention? a it was a comic book convention, and he was uh, the main reason we went out there was to see him. That's cool. Yeah, and uh, it it was just cool just asking him questions about all sorts of stuff, and uh, what was funny is he says uh, he was talking about I think the commentaries of uh, people would be like. So what exactly is it like? And he's like, sometimes I get together with my other author buddies, and he's like, we're two big fat bastards riding together. And <laughs> he, he made it sound like really perverse, and uh, it was just like, he's like, we're just writing each other's endings and stories, and he's just making jokes about it. And the other part of his process is he doesn't use any uh, modern technology to do the riding. He's still riding on like, an old computer that doesn't even have access to the internet. That's cool. Well, that's probably it's smart, secure. so it's not... Keep it secure. Yeah, yeah. secure. Yeah. Well, I mean, so it's not vulnerable to get hacked. So it uses a typewriter. <laughs> <laughs> Turns into In the Mouth of Madness. Have you read the latest Sutter Kane novel? <laughs> oh, that was a good one. That was a good one. That movie's tripped out. It did is. you ever before? Did you ever see the South Park episode about uh, Game of Thrones? And he's like, "Well, you know, there's a 
you know, uh, Jerry, John turns around and his penis is, is, uh, <laughs> his, his engorged penis is <laughs> on well, the screen. It, there's just zooms up on that. That that's like, another hey, thing. Where are we gonna are we gonna get dragons at some point? And he's like, wait, the bare <laughs> ass of Edward. you're not kidding you're not kidding though when you watch hbo (laughs) and you look at some of these episodes you're like how much sex is in this episode it's like i want to know storyline i I don't care who's sleeping with who and you're like who's fucking who and then there's some people like i do care i want to make sure my care amount of penises yeah, they're like, I, there's a disproportionate <laughs> amount of penis to breast ratio. Yeah. We gotta, like, this we gotta get this penis. Like, can we see some breasts and you know maybe a vagina or two? Uh, well, in, in that <laughs> in that particular show, you do get a little bit of everything, and sometimes it's more of one thing than another thing, and it just depends on the episode and the writer. Hey, yeah, the male. Um, full frontal nudity is a whole nother conversation because I get it. I'm not a fan, <laughs> obviously, but uh, I don't know. I don't know why they seem like so many movies nowadays shows male full frontal nudity. And it's they're just, they're just trying to get kind of repulsive. Uh... Kind of, you know, I'm like, Ugh. but I mean, I don't even think women like it. You know, so why? Depends on the women. <laughs> depends on the guy. Yeah, depends so. on the yeah. women. I mean, like, it's all different strokes for different folks. Anyways, yeah. never mind. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. If you're if you're looking for something to watch that you haven't seen in a while or you might have forgotten about, uh, I was gonna suggest uh, Outer Limits from the '90s. Yeah, you shared that. You said you were watching some of those. Yeah, all, all the episodes are self-encapsulated unless they do continuing episodes where it's like we're going to introduce a concept in one episode and then three or four episodes later we're going to bring you back to something related to that one. And it's just, they're interesting stories that make you think. So, like, if you're looking for something to make you think and go above and beyond what you would normally see like there's sometimes i want to go to a movie or watch something and just have it just tell me the story bring me action i just want non-stop action and violence for whatever reason hobbs and shaw was that it is exactly what i thought it was going to be it was nothing but i didn't have to think it was just action-packed non-stop you know i watched angel has fallen yeah. Have you seen that one? I have not. I felt the same way about that film. It was just, you know, forget about, like, all the little intricacies of plot and stuff like that. Just have fun and watch it. And, and for that, it was a great film. Actually, I even thought the plot was pretty good. Nice. Yeah. I think it's mm-hmm. The Angel Has Fallen. Uh, there's like three films. There's uh, Olympus Has Fallen. I saw that one and London. London Has Fallen. I watched Olympus as well. And then uh, there's Angel. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, Morgan Freeman. In the first movie, he's uh, the Speaker of the House. So he's third in line. <laughs> Who else yeah. would be the Speaker of the House? <laughs> he's third in line to take over the presidency. And so. 
That's you like, know, the, you know. the president, the vice president are compromised, so he has to step in as president. And I didn't watch the second movie, but by the third movie, um, he he's elected president, and he's one of these like populist kind of presidents. Everybody likes him and stuff. And there's he's going against like some some uh, you know Blackwater like contract uh, military unit like. You know what Blackwater is, right? Yeah. They're, they're military contractors. Yep. Basically like a mercenary army. It was actually and the so, name of uh, the first band I was in was called Blackwater. Nice. <laughs> nice. And, uh, and you know what? The thing I liked, the third one, Angel Has Fallen, I liked it a little bit more than the first one. I haven't seen the second one. It's because... Uh, you get to see like a little bit more of the mentality and the psyche of Gerard Butler's character and what he's going through. You know, he's, he's having mental problems and he's having pain and yeah. you know, the character's getting older and he's going through this struggle. <laughs> and then of course, Nick Nolte is his dad. He's like, <laughs> fuck the government. Goddamn motherfuckers. <laughs> I'm like, yes, Nick Nolte. Fuck yes. Gotta love Nick Nolte. Anytime I see him in a movie, I'm like, yes. How would you compare Nick Nolte's acting to <laughs> what we saw with uh, Willem Dafoe in The Lighthouse? You're like my I lobster boy. You like? Is, uh, I don't know. He. I don't know. That's different. That's a totally different kind of uh, vibe for that setting. You know, I. If you're asking me if I think Nick Nolte could have pulled it off, I think he could have. Okay. Yeah. But that movie is far superior to, to you know, most movies that Nick gets cast in, you know. <clears throat> I think he kind of had his comeback in uh, Tropic Thunder. Now you're in the shit. <laughs> He's hilarious in that. It's so good. He's like one of my all-time favorite fucking actors. Just because you see him and you're just like, yes, fuck, this guy is going to be intense. But uh, I don't know. What do you got? I I think that was uh, that's about it for me. Yeah, that's uh, that was a good one. Yeah. All right. We'll call it a wrap. Sweet movie lovers out there. I hope you enjoyed <laughs> this. We love you. You're listening to Audio Butter. With we are <laughs> coming from three different time zones. Eastern, Central, and Mountain Time. So it took us a, a little bit to get this whole thing together, but we did it. Oh yeah. Good right. show, gentlemen. Good show. Till the next time. Really big show. That was a bad <laughs>